If we talk about the Nintendo 64, is it very easy for you to think about your favorite games from that console? What if instead of favorite, we say defining games? The games that far more than just being good games, they transcended the console. And when we talk about the NES, the Super Nintendo, and the N64, which are those defining games? We'll be talking about that in another exciting edition of A Cast of the Past with a new episode available on podcast apps every single Sunday and throughout the week at youtube.com slash Past. You can enjoy all of our content with yours truly. Juan Velas from Puerto Rico joining me for this pretty interesting conversation from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. We have Ryan McNulty. Now, Ryan, how easy is it for you to, to think about the fact that favorite doesn't necessarily mean it's the most important game or defining game of a, of a console or a generation, right? Yeah, this was definitely something, you know, keeping in mind, knowing the topic ahead of time and preparing that it was tough to try and separate what you felt was your favorite game or your favorite series try to remove that from the conversation and think about what was the you know the title that really defined that console and you know maybe was the influence for future series future games that kind of really took things to the next level um it, it was a little bit of a difficult task to really try and take that like bias out of out of the conversation and uh we actually have a lot of people included here because on the discord which is a cast of the slash discord a lot of you people we've had over ten thousand listeners on podcast apps that is just freaking awesome a lot of you actually shared uh some of your picks so we'll be talking about that uh, throughout the episode so just to uh, whet people's appetite, if the conversation was, what if, what is your favorite NES game? When we go back to the first console, not defining, just like generally speaking, one of your top five, which game would uh, show up at the top? For me, you know, favorite NES game, I I'm bad at most NES games, but I would probably have I to- I know the feeling. <laughs> I'd probably have to go with Zelda 2 because it's the game I felt the most accomplished completing. If you beat any NES game, I don't care what that game is, you should be proud of yourself because pretty much most of them are, are super difficult. But yeah, Zelda 2, because it was a game I did not like at first, but really grew to like and appreciate. It still definitely has plenty of flaws to it, but it is definitely like a game that once I got around to um, getting better at it, it really like it just I opened up to it a lot more and, and really, really like it now. That's a pretty good pick. And and I think when it comes to favorite games, I think uh, Super Mario World, uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 has to be there just because it's a game that I still play. And I think we all have those games that it's nostalgia talking, right? It's like, oh, you're playing this. It's not the best game, but you're still enjoying it. Super Mario Brothers, I feel like you could get that to any kid now. And it wouldn't feel outdated. Now, pe some people may have a preference because, you know, they, there was the Super Nintendo remaster or remake, right, with like some altered sprites and looks. But just generally speaking, I think it's pretty good that we have that baseline just for everybody listening so they have that context. Now, if the question became, what is that game that defines the NES, which came out in 1995, that game that transcends the console and is just super important for it, would it be the same game? Or if not, What's your uh, pick? Yeah, so I had to think about this a lot because one interesting answer that came up that I don't think is actually going to be my answer, but is interesting to the conversation is actually Rob the Robot. 
because both you and I know I haven't finished the book, but I listened to a good chunk of it, the book Console Wars. You learn yeah. about how they originally packaged the NES with Rob the Robot to position it more as a toy because at that time consoles were going through this like crash period and nobody really wanted to touch a console. So the NES's strategy was to position it with a toy and that ended up being a key to its success. The other big key obviously being the original Super Mario Bros. So if we were to go by a game that defined the the NES, it's tempting to go with the original Super Mario Brothers because it is, you know, the game that really took Mario to the next level. And I should say Super Mario Brothers, not just the kind of more arcadey Mario Brothers. Yeah, I think a lot of people got that confused at yeah. first because when I was a kid, people told me, you got to play Mario Brothers. And I thought that was it, the yeah. arcade one. I'm like, ooh, this is Or you is, picked up like some same. NES classics thing and it has Mario Brothers on it. And you're like, oh, sweet. And then it's like, dun, 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 dun. And you're like, like this, no! is not, this is not the game I was expecting. Um, but yeah, I was going to say it's tempting to go with Super Mario Brothers. But I honestly have to go with Super Mario Brothers 3 because... Uh, that is basically that type of platformer. I mean, it's very hard for any game to even touch what they were able to do with Super Mario Brothers 3 for a 2D platformer. And even though Super Mario Brothers is really the game that catapulted the NES into the stratosphere, I think Super Mario Brothers 3 refined that to such a degree that, as you said, anyone could pick it up today and it wouldn't feel outdated at all. No, I think there's a really good reason why sometimes people say like, oh, this game's overrated or everybody talks about, you know, you think about N64, you know, we'll be talking about that later. And there's always a whole lot of games that come up just right off the bat, right? Like Super Mario 64, GoldenEye, Mario Kart 64. But it is it is because of that, right? I think a really good way to to answer this differently is say it's 2021. And you have a kid that calls you and says, hey, I have never played the NES. Which are the three games that I should play, right? And I don't think every game should be amazing, but it should be memorable. And Super Mario Brothers 3 is everything. I mean, that game is just unbelievable. The music, the graphics, the gameplay, the fact that in the same console, it's the third game, right? The third game in the same console should be like, oh man, they are stretching this thin. The third game in this console is like, dude, you have you don't even know what we are capable of, right? Absolutely. It just the the refinement, like I said, to look at Super Mario Brothers 1 versus Super Mario Brothers 3, it's sometimes it feels like it's not even on the same console because of how much it evolved so quickly. I mean, some of the it's like the early NES games are like closer to almost to Atari than to some of the later NES games. It's kind of crazy how much they refine graphics and stuff in that uh, in that system. Yeah, and uh, we have a couple of different things. So even though we are a three man podcast with these episodes, we only have two people. But Keith uh, showed up via text message or specifically Discord. And uh, he mentioned uh, the original Super Mario Brothers. You could argue that Mario Brothers is the most important game in video game history. It, it, uh, it's the hit that both Nintendo and the video game industry at large needed to solidify themselves as an entertainment medium. Super Mario Brothers 3 is a better game in almost every way, but in my opinion, the first is more important. And I think in many ways, uh, Keith is like a part two to your Rob conversation, which is 
Nintendo, I mean, we weren't there with the video game market crash. We hear about it, but it's like, wouldn't it be fascinating to see a video game world without Rob and without the first Super Mario Brothers? I don't think we'd be talking about all this stuff right now. I think it would be a very different world. And yeah, to to what Keith was saying, I when it comes to this NES in particular, I think you can make an easy case for both Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 3. It's really just, do you pick the one that like really started it all? Or do you pick the one that was just the best version of that game on that system? Exactly. And we have a couple of more comments here from uh, the Discord. The first one comes to us from, let's scroll up here, from uh, Ace Bunny, who also agrees with uh, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, Chris collects things. Chris is actually a part of our Pokemon TCG episode available now. In the archives, uh, in the archives, talks about Super Mario Brothers three. Maydross also agrees. Sir Meatwad, uh, Sir Meatwad talks about the uh, first one, and I think it's like a recurring theme that's happening here, right? And it's just because of the overall importance. Now, if the question was, okay, I think we've made a pretty decent case about why this is the top one. Is there any other game from that library that you're like, man, if we did not have this game, the video game market and video games as we know would be a little bit different? Two definitely come to mind. One, I think, is Duck Hunt, actually. I, Duck Hunt was one of, I don't know if it's the first game to have an NES accessory, but it's definitely one of, well, obviously Rob the Robot, but um, Duck Hunt, I think, was also just a really... Um, well, it's probably the most popular game to have the accessory, especially because you had that Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt like pack in with the system. Yeah. Um, but certainly as far as like home console light gun type of games, uh, Duck Hunt was a, a key game in that. It was a very it was a great kind of like party game to, you know, everyone kind of got a chance to play. I know there was track and field and things like that, but I do think Duck Hunt was kind of uh, one of those pivotal games. Obviously, another game, The Legend of Zelda, was uh, a very important game and pretty big at the time, too. Not as big as Mario, but big enough to have its own cartoon and everything. And was, a, you know, a game that catapulted the home console adventure game and also was important for having the save battery on a, on a cartridge, right. which was... An important thing for a long time. I mean, even pretty much what up until like 3DS, I think even like you save on to the cartridge. So uh, it's still something that's even used to this day to some degree. So uh, there's a, a lot of I think both of those games added a lot to the system. Not quite coming near Super Mario Brothers territory, but pretty important nonetheless. And we actually have somebody that brought up uh, the original Zelda game is uh, their top pick. I, I'm hoping I get the name right, which is uh, Jirahim. Jirahim. It's yeah. after a Zelda Gira game. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. So, so definitely, I think that's very inspiring. And then just to close off this NES part, and I think this conversation is going to be interesting. Like, I think it always evolves. Maybe with the NES, like Super Mario Brothers is super important, but maybe with other generations, it's like, hey, if you think about this question five years, 10 years from now, maybe it changes. But uh, just to quote a quickly here, an article from IGN, they listed the top 100 NES games. At number five, they have Castlevania 3, uh, Dracula's Curse. We actually talked about Super Castlevania 4 on the Super Nintendo. That, that review is available 
on the archives. Uh, number four, this is one that I almost brought up despite the fact that I never beat it because I'm just awful I at have, it. I have. Mega think, Man 2. I think I might have used save states at one point, but it Mega Man 2 is a great game. It's just you get to have a lot of patience. <laughs> it's it's pretty tough. And and the the number of Mega Man games. I think that yeah, you have your your Mario and and Super Metroid definitely, but I think Mega Man They were Man churning has, them out though, in those days. Yeah, oh, yeah. We got 7, was it? Seven Mega Man games on the NES, I think. Uh, maybe, because was Mega Man 8 when they like started it on like the PlayStation 3 era consoles, right? Did, well, PS, what? Man, th- there are so well, many Mega Man. Because didn't they like, <laughs> they had like Mega Man, like you said, maybe one through seven on NES. But then when they made Mega Man 8, like years later, not, not counting all like the X series and all the different ones. Oh, right. They made nine and yeah. 10. They made okay, nine so and 10 nine on the 10. PS3. So I don't know where Mega Man 8 was. Maybe that was on NES. Uh, eight was on the PlayStation and the Sega Saturn, 1996, okay. 1997. And, yeah, and then, then many years later, they just said, hey, Mega Man 9, and we're making it look like retro style which i thought was really cool yeah that was really cool so uh let's just quickly look at the rest of the list here super mario brothers at number three uh the legend of zelda at number two and then number one is super uh well they wrote super mario brothers they, they forgot an <laughs> I. I ign come on come on you got stabbed that zero gets paid to, to do this zero to ten ign Exactly. So Super Mara Brothers at number one. So everybody watching and listening, uh, feel free to follow us on uh, Twitter, a cast of the past, and let us know like your your favorite one or your most memorable defining game for the NES. But we're not done, Ryan. We, we got two more generations. We got two more consoles. You ready for that, my friend? Absolutely. The NES, I feel like, was a little more clear cut. And I think we're getting into a little bit more difficult territory with this one. Yeah, because with the NES, it came out in 1985, so we weren't born. So even though we definitely experienced it, when the Super Nintendo came out in 1991, we are there. We grew up with this console. And I think with this one, you have RPGs, platformers, action games of of just every kind. So with the Super Nintendo, before we get to defining, same question, which, which would you say is your favorite game? And I know that's maybe not too easy for you. My favorite Super Nintendo game, I think it has to be Donkey Kong Country or Donkey Kong Country 2. It's really tough for me to pick, but I guess I'd have to lean towards um, Donkey Kong Country 2 because I think that has the it's the most it has the most interesting level designs and it has like the two best characters to control with Diddy Kong and Dixie Kong. The other ones, I feel like Donkey Kong kind of weighs you down in the first one sometimes. And then you get Kitty Kong in the third one. But uh, I think those games are just like platforming bliss to me. And like they just control so like butter, buttery smooth. I can barely say that. But there's no other like platformer where I can just like, I don't know, like the controls just feel so like I'm just in sync with the controls or whatever. But and I just love the music and the environments and everything. Uh, I've played those games dozens and dozens of times and I still go back to them pretty much at least once a year. So without question, those two are my favorite. And I guess I'd give the the W to DKC2. I'd have to agree with that because with DKC1, I love it. And I think it's like nostalgia trip. But a lot of people did complain about it being a little dull platforming wise and they rare said oh what doll okay we got you fam and then with two 
I mean, they scaled up the difficulty, the variety in platforming. They actually got rid of Donkey Kong as a main character, which was a big risk. But it showed sometimes that when you have a really solid foundation, people are willing to go mm-hmm. along with you. Can't really say maybe everybody agree with that with DKC3, but yeah, that, that's part of it. Now, if the question was, which is the defining game for the Super Nintendo, would it still be that one? I, I've... this. I think this was the hardest one for me to pick for the systems. And, um, you know, a lot of people might just lean on Super Mario World as the answer because the Mario game seems to always be one of the most important titles. But I actually think this is a system where Mario was probably least important in, in some aspects as far as like the the main AAA like title, because I think Super Mario World, it was at one point my favorite Mario game. But I don't think it did enough different, whereas... You, it's a very safe game. It was a very safe game, whereas if you look at pretty much every other Mario title, they took a chance and, and redefined it. Um, now, Yoshi's Island, uh, I thought, was also interesting and something I contemplated just alone, like not only for having the different mechanic with Yoshi and everything, but also like having a... In, in, you know, going for an artistic kind of art style that you don't really see a lot. And especially during that time. Um, but that was a game. I still need to go back and beat that game because I actually never beaten that game. And baby Mario really annoyed me as a kid, but <laughs> you're, you are way too good at that. That was way too accurate. <laughs> That's not a sound by people. Yeah, that, that was actually him. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I'm stuck between two, but I'm just going to go a little bit biased here and say A Link to the Past, I think, is the the most defining game. Because I think it's, you know, aside from just the original Legend of Zelda starting the series, A Link to the Past has to be the most important Zelda title. Is it my favorite? No, but I I do really like the game. It It started a lot of characteristics about you know, the Zelda series that would carry through for the rest of the, you know, its existence as it continues on. Uh, It just, it brought dungeons to a whole new level, items, fairies in bottles, that whole mechanic, all the, you know, getting them, the first time you see the Master Sword, it, it brought so much, so much of the music in that game. A lot of people think some of the music came from like Ocarina of Time, but a lot of the music in Ocarina of Time originally came from A Link to the Past. So, so many things that just really defined it. Um, I almost wanted to pick Mario Kart for this, believe it or not, even though it's nobody's favorite Mario Kart pretty much, but just the importance of Mario Kart. But I think I had to go with... That game made me so dizzy. I had to go with A Link to the Past. And I think uh, A Link to the Past, obviously one of the top three picks maybe for a lot of people, that is to the Super Nintendo the same way I think Super Mario Brothers 3 was to the NES, which is you take a formula, mm-hmm. but you improve upon it in almost every yeah. conceivable way. And it was way. the third game too, right? If you think about it, yeah. they're both, they had their both first games, which were a little awkward, but you know, started a whole revolution. Both the middle childs are a little weird, right? They're not quite what you expect. And then the third game is like, this is where we got it right. It's kind of crazy. And and you know what's interesting? As a kid, I'd be like, dude, Super Mario World, so much better than Zelda. Like Zelda, I didn't get it as a kid. As an adult, I've kind of like you, I went from Super Mario World, it's 
it's a good game. It's a very good game. Like nobody's going to sit here and say it's a bad game, but it is it is the safest game to, to sort of bring up because it's like Super Mario Brothers 3 was so good. It's like you, you, you almost only uh, go down from there. Now, I'm just going to say here, when it comes to this, it's very interesting. I did not even think about this too much. It just jumped off of my head. I think the most defining game for this generation is actually Street Fighter 2. I really strongly believe that Street Fighter 2, you had your Zeldas and Marios and the NES. Are these better? Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, with like a link to the past. But let's look at fighting games in the NES, Ryan. Let, let, let's be real, right? Kind of like wrestling games that sucked up until a, a certain generation. Fighting games were not a thing you were excited to play as a kid. It's like they were there. Yeah. They were a little bit competitive. But I remember... Uh, I I had never gone to the arcades, but I always heard about, oh, there's this new game my brother would tell me. And then one day he comes home with a copy of Street Fighter 2. And I look at the small roster and I didn't understand. It's like, okay, let's try this. And I was just like, I've never experienced this before. I had experienced kind of something like Zelda. I had experienced kind of something like Super Mario, but this was on a whole nother level. And the fact that on the same generation, we got like 50 copies of Super of Street Fighter, right? <laughs> I think Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is maybe the best iteration in that. Think of how important... Think of the fighting game community and think of esports, man. Remove Street Fighter from the equation and tell me this would still be the same. It, it absolutely wouldn't. I think it really is the game that made like console fighting games what they are and i know there's arcade versions and all of that but um yeah street fighter 2 is absolutely the most important fighting game i mean people can talk about mortal Kombat and things like that but street fighter 2 is the fighting game if you had to go back to it and i probably mentioned this before but i actually had a friend in elementary school and i think a little bit of middle school too but he had a street fighter 2 arcade cabinet in his basement so he was definitely one of the cool kids and he would just people you know he'd have like a birthday party and everyone would challenge him and he would just destroy everybody because he can literally practice anytime he wants yeah, uh, but yeah. i also remember playing it at friend's house uh on the super nintendo as well never been good at fighting games but uh, what's the green guy's name a Blanca, Blanca, Blanca. Okay, yeah. I did enjoy sitting in the corner as Blanca doing the electricity, electricity. The role, yeah, yeah. Oh, the electric. Yeah, because yeah. that was all I had. You know what I love is that I actually bought one of the arcade one-up machines, and I bought the Street Fighter Two one, and I modded it. So just like in my living room, there's just like a Street Fighter Two machine, and and I love it. And if I had really more room, I would definitely. Resonate. I see them at Walmart, and I'm tempted to pick them up, but. I someday when I have more room, I'll get one. Sometimes, dude. Yeah. Sometimes they get them at clearance. Like I already have one. The other day I went to Walmart, one fifty. I'm like, oh, you don't, you don't need a second <laughs> one. It's stupid. It's stupid. I know. But it's so cheap, man. And uh, we have a lot of things here, starting with uh, Keith. And Keith mentioned uh, a link to the past. Uh, for a lot of people, I think the Super Nintendo nostalgia is remembering just how good A Link to the Past was. It's the perfect Vita game, so much so it's hard to talk about. Uh, just go listen to our episode in the archives. Thank you, Keith. Even nice. when he's not here, nice he's plugging plug, previous episodes. Yeah. On top of things. Yeah, man. Uh, let's see here. It's so good that 2D Zelda games have been trying to chase that high ever since. And then we have a couple of other picks here. 
Uh, Girahim, mm -hmm. right? I think I yes, got that correct. name right now. Mentioned uh, Super Mario World. Let's see here. We have Ace Bunny who wrote Super Metroid. Madros wrote Chrono Trigger. That's actually really good. Like, I never got into RPGs in the Super Nintendo generation, but a lot of people say that was the golden age with like mm -hmm. Final Fantasy 3 through 6, Chrono Trigger, Super Mario RPG. I mean, like, RPGs as a whole is yeah. like a defining thing in the Super I, Nintendo. When it comes to RPGs, I'm one of the worst people to talk to. So I, it's, it's a little unfortunate. It would have, um, you know, if there was someone who could like kind of give more representation to that as far as the Super Nintendo goes, just because I, I really don't know much about it. But I do know, as you said, a lot of people do think of the Super Nintendo as uh, one of the golden eras for RPGs. So there's definitely a case for an RPG really being at that top slot for Super Nintendo and you wouldn't get any argument from me. I, I would I give you the, the the benefit of the doubt that you were, you know, tell me the right things. Yeah, no, and something that I would love for everybody, especially on on Twitter or once again at castofthepast.com slash discord is remove the conversation from a specific game. If you have to choose a defining genre in the case of the Super Nintendo, because there's a lot. There's a whole lot here. It did a lot uh, right. Please let us know. Yeah, because it's like, do you it, it's choose like it's RPGs? One of the best do you choose platformers? Like they were kind of the golden era for both of those, you know? Exactly. And with that, my friends, this is when the conversation. I think it 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 does become a little bit more narrowed down because we've talked about the NES and the Super Nintendo, but now, my friends, it is time to talk about the defining game for us with the Nintendo sixty four. Keep in mind that once again. This is far more than our favorite game of all time. It is the significance of the game in that specific console. So in your case, Ryan, just to follow up on, on the previous topics, why is Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask <laughs> your favorite N64 game? Uh, it's it, Yeah, you, you presented it perfectly because, I, you know, I had to. It's probably, you know, it changes every every month, but both of them are amazing. Ocarina of Time. For, for now, for the yeah, month of April For now, May, I'm going like, to go with Ocarina about? of Time just because it's a little bit of a smoother right. experience, but I do love me some Majora's Mask. But Ocarina of Time, you know, it made 3D Zelda what it is and is was pretty much a successful formula up until Breath of the Wild kind of shook things up a little bit. Introduced Z-targeting, which is a staple in many games. So good. Including Dark Souls that you see today. So that really adventure style 3D combat and just having really good dungeons, really good music, just an unforgettable experience. It, it was kind of this larger than life game that even though the graphics have vastly been dated like your imagination ran wild with that game and you know when you went to the gerudo desert it felt like the desert that you see now in breath of the wild like that that's what you imagined you were playing as a kid yep and eventually now many years later became a reality but just a absolutely amazing game that's considered one of the greatest games of one of the greatest games of all time Majora's Mask a very different follow-up for I think it's a Zelda fans Zelda game but neither of those are neither of these games are my pick for the Nintendo 64 as important as they both are see for me as far as favorite game 
the the answer has got to go to WWF No Mercy. Not just because I'm a really big wrestling fan. You can hate wrestling. You have either heard about this game or you've played it or you had the wrestling fan friend that told you, hey, grab the controller because we were going to play four players. And to think that in 2021, you could find any wrestling fan and ask, which is your favorite wrestling game? There's a very high percentage. The answer is going to be, here comes the pain on the PS2 or this game right here. Mm -hmm. So think about the generations, people. We're talking about 2000. That is 20. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I just saw the calendar. We do, like, have an e we do have an episode talking about No Mercy, if, if you'd like to we listen do. to that. No Mercy, I loved it at the time. I rented it probably more times than any other game. Having replayed it recently, it definitely has, you know, has not aged the greatest in some areas. Still very solid, though. I just, I'm not a fan of, like, the limited time window to do a special move. That's, oh, that's, yeah, it, it takes good. It's very, which very I don't frustrating have. to me. But other than that, like, even the animations still look, that Stone Cold Stunner animation, still one of the best. So good. Still one of the best. Everybody always had like the replay when you oh, win yeah. the match. It's you like, just hey, leave that running we, for like 30 won. minutes. I, I just leave that running for like 20 minutes. Now, Ryan, you mentioned that Ocarina of Time or Majora's were not the defining game for you. So which one would that be for the uh, N64? I hate to go with the most obvious pick. So I'm going to shift gears for a minute to do just an honor. Pilot Can wings. I do an honorable mention? Go for okay. it. Okay. And maybe this is your pick but uh, hopefully not, and I don't steal your thunder. But I do think GoldenEye needs to be mentioned because in, even though Nintendo isn't known for its FPS games these days, it really was a big step in the console FPS multiplayer games. And Halo kind of took that ball and ran with it much, much further, but GoldenEye was that first step for that uh, especially for local multiplayer, because we haven't really seen that yeah. ever since. You know, Xbox did have the local LAN gameplay for a little bit, but this was like really the golden era, <laughs> no pun intended, for like local four-player FPS gameplay. And I had a lot of fun with that. But I have to go with the most obvious for my actual number one pick in Mario 64, because it is it is the template, the blueprint for 3D platformers. And even though we don't see them as often as we should anymore, it was incredible what they were able to do. And for a long time, you know, I'm a big fan of Banjo-Kazooie and uh, those, you know, Banjo-Tooie, those, uh, some of the other later platformers that came out after Mario 64. And I kind of like put Mario 64 to the side for a while. But having over the last few years playing it again there was so much about mario 64 like as a kid i didn't even realize how impressive it was the fact that like how much momentum is taken into account with the movement of mario and if you watch mario 64 speedruns if you've never seen a mario 64 speedrun it's amazing i highly highly recommend you watch it even if it's not something you're generally particularly interested in because it's one of those games where movement is so important in the versatility that of Mario's movement and all these like extra moves that a lot of people don't even use ever in a playthrough can be really important. And it's it's super interesting. And it's what makes that speed run like 25 years later 
still something that people are like very intensely interested in and spectate and watch on Twitch all the time. And just the fact that they got that right in their first game is incredible. And, you know, on top of the whole star system. There was no template. There was no template. template. You can just say like, oh, Ryan, they should copy that other 3D platformer. Yeah, because I think part of it, hearing some of the news about the development of that game was they wanted to have so many more stages like you would for a Super Mario World or Super Mario Brothers 3. But because of, you know, cartridge space and everything, they could only have so many levels. So instead of just having like a small amount of levels and only going to the end of it, they decided, well, how do we get the most out of each level? So they kind of came up with the star system of having to do these multiple objectives within one level. And of course, we see games like Banjo-Kazooie and, you know, to this Spyro day. the Dragon and other things like that, kind of taking that template and taking, you know, going in different directions with it. So Mario 64 has to get it, in my opinion. I think that's an unbelievable pick. And I, I don't think that's going to be my game. Your honorable mention is actually going to be my my main one for for different reasons. But to validate, you know, you 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 pretty much said it all about Super Mario sixty four. I did steal your thunder. I'm just, I was afraid of that. <laughs> I, I should have kept my mouth no, shut. <laughs> no worries, man. But with Super Mario sixty four, is that game should not be as good as it is. Like with other games, there's a logistical. With Super Nintendo, you had 3D, you had 2D games in the the NES, right? So it's like, okay, you have a foundation. With Super Mario 64, I play PS3 games, right? Like that's what I cover in my main channel. And I still play PS3 games that are 3D graphics that feel weird, the animation. And we brought up No Mercy, right? Amazing animation, N64 cartridge. But Super Mario 64, it's like, it's one of the first two games for the console, yeah. man. Like, that should have been freaking awful, awkward. We have seen what happens when a game goes like, hey, you know what? Let's do from 2D to 3D. Usually, man, that does not result really, really well. Yet here, you can still play it. Some people say like, oh, it's uh, the, the bouncing of the walls can get a little annoying. Yes, but you know what? It is the first freaking 3D platformer in the console and you can pull that game in right now yeah. and it's still amazing. Yeah, it's like, come I on. mean, the camera angles have not aged well. I'll say that. The whole camera control system's awful. But the fact that the amount of versatility in the movement is just incredible. Like the wall kicks and like I said, just watch a speed run and it'll be. And even if you're not into that sort of thing, just you will see the crazy movements and, and different things and different ways to get stars that you don't always have to follow. Like there's no one way to do thing, almost similar to a Breath of the Wild type of style to it. Not as versatile, but still for that time, 1996, it's crazy. Exactly. And then talking about GoldenEye, when you go back to the NES and the Super Nintendo, this whole thing of like license-based games, right? like games based on superheroes or TV shows, this is nothing new. And we got some pretty decent like TMNT games on the NES. Super Nintendo, I mean, come on, man. Like the beat-em-ups and all that stuff. But in the N64, in that N64 PS1 generation, first-person shooters were not a thing. Like they, they existed, but you didn't say, hey, you know what? I'm going to buy PS1, the PS1 for Medal of Honor. You could get that for Rainbow Six. Maybe you could do that. But GoldenEye, kind of like Super Mario 64, is it comes out and then you're like, okay, so it looks like the movie and it should have failed because this came out like what, like a year after the film came out, I think it was or something? Yeah, it's pretty late. 
pretty outdated, you know, just considering that it should have failed, but you felt like James Bond because of the music, the the movement. The fact that the analog stick could not be more uncomfortable in the placement, but it worked. And then you're like, oh, you know what? Freaking four players also good. Sure, it runs like at a crap 15 frames <laughs> per second half the time, but that's besides the point. playing his odd job is cheating. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, and that damn gun, too. And I, I love chopping people. Oh, yeah. I love chopping. That, that, that was that pretty fun. That noise that it exactly. made. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so satisfying. And then the narrative of it, like... When you think about N64, you know, people love to talk about cinematic games and like PS3 generation forward or even like PS2, but the N64 had it. Like you played this game and you thought to yourself, like, at least this is what I thought as a kid. like, man, I'm somebody playing this. I was like, I'm James freaking Bond. I'm grabbing the weapons. I'm completing the objective. It's like you're, you're scouting the area. And I don't think it's something that happened quite a lot. It's kind of interesting that Perfect Dark is often referred to as like the best mm-hmm. first-person shooter, but it's made by the same people. So yeah. if it only always begs the question for me. <laughs> oh, screw you, right? People, if we have an episode about gaming regrets. If you want to hear some of my regrets, like Ryan just gave you a, a, bit, a bit of a taste there, but it will always beg the question for me, like, why didn't we get a lot of these? And we got other first-person shoot. We got we got Quake sixty uh, Doom uh, Doom sixty four, mm-hmm. which many people say is one of their favorite Doom games. But we didn't get a whole lot of these, and Doom was very different, right? So I think that's why I personally wanted to uh, bring this game up. And then we have uh, Mr. Hammyham, Mr. Keith Hamilton, who wrote Goldeneye 007. Not only does Goldeneye rock. But it set the groundwork for first-person console shooters that would pave the way for franchises like Call of Duty and Halo. Yes, there's Doom and Wolfenstein, but those are PC games. It's a really close race between this and Super Mario 64, but I think it beats at 64 because platformers did not have long, the longevity uh, the FPS genre has had. That, that's, that's another a, yeah, good that's point. That's a fair I, point. Exactly. So, Keith, I mean, you can't elaborate more on that because it's text, but but I read it. Read good, right, Ryan? Yeah. Read good. I mean, I wish the 3D platformer had a little bit more longevity. Uh, there's some out there. You just got to, it's not quite the world it used to be. Yeah, like uh, when the PS2, and, and we'll talk about this just for, so everybody knows, like we'll eventually get the other consoles and stuff, and you see a harsh dip, like a hard, like these 3D platformers stopped existing for a while. And same thing with fighting games, and people kind of forget that. But then uh, quickly mentioning some other mentions. Uh, Ace Bunny mentioned Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, Girahim mentioned Ocarina of Time. Chris Klex things mentioned, uh, I'm biased, but Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. Maydross mentioned GoldenEye 64. Sir Meatwad with the tie between 64 and GoldenEye. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we were. Think, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I think we're pretty close with pretty much Mario sixty four and GoldenEye being those two. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and everybody like Ryan's dying. Ryan's dying. People like <laughs> clear. You got, you got too worked up with this. I, man. I did. Too I did want right? to touch one thing on uh, Banjo Kazooie though because I think the reason one of the reasons Banjo Kazooie is so memorable is because I think it 
it succeeded in the areas where maybe Mario 64 kind of was lacking. And that was really like the world building and just like the prettier and more memorable like environments. Whereas like Mario 64 really just kind of, it was pure gameplay. The story was not important. The environments weren't exactly pretty, but Banjo-Kazooie kind of made this like great platforming in this like very imaginative and like immersive world and with new characters yeah. i mean we got we got him in diddy diddy kong racing and all that but it's like mario was mario right you, you slap that on a cover and it'll get a couple of purchases so everybody watching and listening if you're in the podcast apps hopefully you've enjoyed the full conversation about the nes the super nintendo n64 if you're on youtube what we do is we make the we split these episodes because it's a lot more palatable, right? It's like especially like I'm somebody that sometimes I got 10, 15 minutes to check out something. Hey, let's listen to NES and then Super Nintendo. So the conversations are definitely going to continue. And thank you so much to everybody on the Discord. It really did help validate, right? Because sometimes we may have an opinion that not none of you agree with, and that's fine. But at, at a cast of the past.com. You know, we got all those people. Thank you for everybody supporting, you know, over 10,000 listens on podcast apps. That is just freaking awesome. And if anybody wants to connect with us, you can also do it on Twitter at a cast to the past. We've said the podcast name so many times, Ron, but we got we got one more for you, right? Yeah. One more on a cast to the past. I, I wanted to do PlayStation next, man. I, feel, I stole your thunder. I, I, I got a page about thunder that. on that super. Oh wait, no, on Mario six, whatever at <laughs> sixty four. I'm sorry. <laughs> you stole. I'm sorry. Juan, I stole your thunder. I, I don't even know. I what still I stole feel guilty about it. <laughs>